0: This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Thursday, October 28th. I'm Matt Hoysh. In today's headlines, Norwood Sheriff's Annex opens. Hit me with your best shot. County prepares building code updates and a mountain weather forecast. Thanks to the pandemic, in-person gatherings have been few and far between the last year and a half. But this week, a crowd gathered in Norwood for an event that just can't happen over Zoom. A good old-fashioned ribbon-cutting.
1: Ready? One, two, three.
0: That's San Miguel County Sheriff Bill Masters cutting the ribbon to open the new Sheriff's Office Annex in Norwood. The building, Masters says, will help the sheriff's office with services in the western part of the county. People in right often don't understand that Norwood is not even the center of the county. It's, it, that's still to our west
1: from here, and we need to provide services throughout this 1,200-square-mile
0: area. Masters notes it's also a boon to staff.
1: Although most of our calls come from the east county, most of our employees, of course, live over here just because of the, of the cost. So it's a lot easier for them to come in here and do some of their administrative duties in this particular building, uh, as opposed to always going going to Telluride.
0: At roughly 6,000 square feet, the annex will host several services, including evidence processing, juvenile services, mental health responders, and Norwood Area Patrol. It will also be open to the public on Tuesdays and Wednesdays for administrative services such as open records requests and concealed handgun permit application renewals. No inmates will be housed at the annex. But everything that does happen there will be powered mostly with renewable energy. The county plans to run the building with 95 percent solar power by the spring of 2022. Chris Holstrom says it feels fantastic to have the annex open. She's the county commissioner who represents the west part of the county, including Norwood.
2: Hopefully we won't be expanding on crime, but we have expanded the capabilities and the comfort level for our officers and and deputies.
0: The space has been years in the making, and the pandemic didn't help. Like most things, planning meetings had to go virtual.
2: When you're pouring over plans and getting minute details of where to put cameras and where to put outlets. It, my goodness, it was a challenge to do that online.
0: Jennifer Dinsmore has been the project manager overseeing the development. She notes initially they plan to open in July, but delays pushed them back a few months. The biggest impact, she says, was supply chain hiccups.
2: The attic ladder, I think it's been on order for 11 months.
0: Still, better late than never. The finished building, she explains, was designed with the local aesthetic in mind.
2: You know, with the corrugated metal, the hardy, um, the cementatious panels and such, and then the brick and tying those all together in such a way that it looks like it's been in this community for a while instead of being a new building.
0: We wanted something that would work with the scale of Norwood. David Rosenfeld was the lead architect on the annex. As you look around you can kind of
1: see, I guess I would say more of a horizontal open space you have out here and I think the idea with the building is that you know, it's something that like lets light in, lets the surrounding environment in, and um, but also doesn't stand out too much. So it's not we're not coming in with kind of a massive, super
0: tall, you know, out of place building. It's something that, as you drive into Norwood, it doesn't look like a kind of foreign building to the rest of the community. That's good because if all goes according to plan, it'll be there for a while. Sheriff Masters says the annex is meant to last at least a century. Spring 2021 was the season of vaccines. Now fall is the season of the booster. Public health and medical professionals across San Miguel County are encouraging eligible residents to up their COVID immunity with a booster shot.
3: After a certain amount of time, several months or so, our protection level from being fully vaccinated does start to wear off. So the whole point of a booster is exactly that, to boost your protection levels again.
0: That's Katherine Beck, a nurse at the Telluride Regional Medical Center, speaking on KOTO on Thursday. Currently, all three COVID vaccines, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, and Pfizer, have approval for a booster shot. Anyone 18 and older who got J&J is eligible. For those with Moderna and Pfizer... Individuals are eligible if they are 65 and older, or those 18 and older who have underlying conditions, live in certain care facilities, or have a lot of interaction with the public through work.
3: Some of those specific workers categories that are probably more at risk and are probably more strongly encouraged to get boosters would be first responders, people who work in education and daycare settings, um, people work at the markets or grocery stores, manufacturing, public transit. So if you drive the the Galloping Goose or work on the gondola, you have you're you're with people all day, every day, and lots of them. Um, so you absolutely would be recommended to to get a booster.
0: Beck notes boosters aren't required, and if you don't get one, you're still fully vaccinated. But she says it's just an added layer of protection, both for you and your community. Based on federal regulations, individuals are also allowed to mix and match their COVID boosters. Especially for those with J&J, Beck recommends getting the Moderna as a booster.
3: The official recommendation is and will be, uh, if you are eligible and wanting to get a booster, please get whatever booster you can and want to. Um, If you have the choice, we do recommend getting the Moderna booster if you got J&J as your first dose. So again, that allows you, you are are allowed to mix and match the the manufacturers now. Um, And the Moderna booster, after a J&J vaccine showed some pretty promising protection numbers."
0: And as for what you can expect in terms of side effects from the booster, Beck says there's no real way to tell.
3: I will say it's going to be individually specific. Um, I will share my story, I like a lot of people know had um, a fairly significant immune response after the second dose. The first dose of the original vaccine was really no big deal. The second dose, um, I was feverish, you know, and fatigued primarily for 24 hours or so, and that wasn't different for everybody. I got my booster yesterday. My arm's a little sore, um, and maybe I'm a little bit tired, um, but who's to say what that's from?
0: Back notes, while it may not be fun to get a booster just months after the original vaccine, She's not surprised vaccine efficacy has gone down over
3: time. This virus is new. Like it's, I mean, it's been a year and a half, but it's, it's new to humans as of that time. So we're, we started from scratch. No human had ever been exposed to it or contracted it to be able to develop any sort of immunity through exposure previously. Um, also, because this virus has been so prevalent, um, variants have, have developed. And a vaccine is still helpful against the variants, but these variants, especially the Delta variant, have been incredibly potent and sneaky.
0: She adds she understands a certain amount of skepticism around a new vaccine or booster, but getting the jab is still the best bet for getting the virus under control.
3: Science takes time and it takes repetition, and time is the one variable that we cannot manipulate in this scenario. Again, this, this virus is new. Um, We do know that if you are going to do any one thing to protect yourself, vaccination is the most highly recommended. Um, It not only protects you, but it also uh, reduces your chances of spreading it to others. Um, Even if you do get a breakthrough case, again, you're going to have a milder, shorter course of illness. Um, And again, be less likely to spread it to others. And the less this virus circulates, the less it has a chance to develop new new variants.
0: San Miguel County Public Health will continue conducting vaccine clinics for first, second, and booster shots. Registration is available at sanmiguelcountyco.gov coronavirus. The Telluride Regional Medical Center will have booster shots starting next week. Boosters are also available at most major pharmacies in the region. The new year is a chance to refresh and start over. For San Miguel County, it's also a chance for new building codes. This week, the Board of County Commissioners heard an update on building codes the county aims to implement in early 2022. For the last several months, a 12-member task force has been helping develop the updates. There's
1: a combination of uh, professional builders, energy professionals, design professionals, and fire protection professionals, as well as Uh, One qualified resident who built his own uh, home here in the county.
0: That's county building official Matt Gonzalez discussing the code updates with the BOCC. The county currently uses 2009 codes and is planning to update to 2018 codes, which county manager Mike Bordogna notes the towns of Telluride and Mountain Village already use. So it'll just be uniform for the people that are building in our communities. The task force, Gonzalez notes, honed in on several themes, including wildfire mitigation and automatic fire suppression.
1: So sprinklers.
0: Under the proposed new code, new and sufficiently remodeled single-family residences, at least 3,600 square feet large, will be required to have fire sprinkler systems. The new codes would also do away with an exception in the current code. Right now
1: there's a there's an exception that allows for a basically a one-hour fire separation to divide a home so that you can have basically a 7,000-square-foot home divided by one wall, and you don't have to have fire sprinklers. So we're going to do away with that exception.
0: In terms of wildfire mitigation, new codes will require non-combustible roofs. Gonzalez also discussed requirements for either non-combustible siding or defensible space around buildings. Energy was another big theme for the task force. In particular, whether it's worth going to the even stricter 2021 codes to save building energy use. Gonzalez says while going from 2009 codes to 2018 codes will have big gains, there isn't much of a difference to be gained between the 2018 and 2021 codes. Plus, he notes the county is already seeing decreased greenhouse gas emissions from its buildings.
1: That's happening because newer building code requires that you seal your home. New building code requires that you have airtight construction, and so you're not wasting natural gas or propane or electricity by heating a structure that's just going to dump it out. Your house is sealed.
0: The task force also looked at climate change more broadly and how the building codes could help the county further reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Residential and commercial buildings are responsible for about half of the county's emissions. One idea is to implement a renewable energy mitigation program, Essentially, it would set a limit for energy use outside a building envelope from things like hot tubs or electric snowmelt.
1: Everything in addition to that, we would charge a fee for, or they could mitigate it on site. And there's different ways to do that. So if, if a person wants to add an extra 800 square feet of snowmelt, very generally, it would cost roughly, for an example, like $16,000.
0: Another proposal would tackle a different issue, vacant homes. There are a lot of Empty homes that are being, their their homes are on
1: year-round for maintenance, right? They have their floors heated all year-round and they're unoccupied and all this stuff.
0: One idea to counter that is to use the code to require more energy efficiency.
1: Basically, the more square footage you want to build, the tighter of a house and the more uh, provisions you have to have in your home to mitigate the energy consumption.
0: The commissioners are enthusiastic about the building code updates and are also interested in looking into ways to use the codes to incentivize smaller building and more deed-restricted affordable housing development through benefits such as waiving fees. Gonzalez aims to have the new county building codes ready to be implemented by this January. Snow is falling, and that means mountain passes are closing. Black Bear Pass and Last Dollar Pass are fully closed. Overpass Pass and Imogene Pass are passable on lower roads, but both are closed at the summits. Since the summer, trucks have been traveling back and forth carrying mine tailings from a contaminated site on the valley floor to the Ida Repository in East Telluride. The trucking is part of a time-sensitive removal action by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, which found dangerously high levels of lead and arsenic in the valley floor tailings. Initially, the agency expected to complete the hauling after about two months. But now, the EPA says it will need to continue the hauling into 2022 before it can start to restore and revegetate the site. The tailings' footprints in many spots, the agency says, were larger and deeper than initially estimated about 45,000 cubic yards, instead of the original estimate of 30,000. The EPA plans to stop hauling in late November and resume for another six to eight weeks in 2022, as soon as weather permits. The agency says it plans to avoid leaving tailings exposed over the winter and during spring runoff. The EPA will hold public office hours to discuss the valley floor work on Monday, November 8th at the Wilkinson Public Library, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and 5.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. A year and a half after census takers knocked on doors up and down neighborhoods to count who's who and where they are, San Miguel County is redrawing its commissioner districts based on the 2020 data. Every 10 years, the county reapportions the districts to balance them based on population data. The whole county votes for each commissioner's seat, so the new districts won't affect who can cast a ballot, but they will shape who can run for each district's seat. Existing commissioners can serve out their term, even if they end up in a different district after redistricting. As is required, the Board of County Commissioners will hold an online public hearing on Wednesday, November 10th at 1130 a.m. to discuss the redrawing. The county plans to adopt new districting plans roughly a month later, on December 15th. There are three different options for the commissioners and public to consider. They're available online at San sanmiguelcountyco.gov slash redistricting 2021. Written comments can also be sent to B.O.C.C. at San sanmiguelcountyco.gov. Yes, there's a housing crisis, but Be honest, if you could, would you buy a haunted house? According to data from Cinch Home Services, people in the West are most likely to be extremely willing to buy a haunted house. On top of that, a survey of 1,000 people showed the West is the second most haunted region in the U.S., behind the South. According to the data, 32% of paranormal activity in the West takes place in the bedroom, Another 32% takes place in the living room, and 7% in the kitchen. Spirits also seem to prefer rural living. 25% of farmhouses in the West are said to be haunted, compared to 17% of contemporary or industrial modern homes, and 16% of cottages. But ghosts can also fuel the real estate market in a different way. One in ten people surveyed reported selling their home after a paranormal experience. For a lot of people in and around Telluride, one of the top issues on their minds is housing. And it's not just an issue for San Miguel County. KOTO has partnered with multiple stations in the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition to report a series of stories looking at economic mobility through housing to understand how the challenges and possible solutions are playing out across the region. Today, we're heading north. Lining homes with solar panels is not usually what comes to mind when creating affordable housing projects in rural mountain communities. Yet, designing homes that can produce their own power is one way to keep utility bills close to zero. KVNF's Stephanie Malatrick visited Basalt, Colorado to learn how one community collaboration created the first net zero affordable housing project in the state.
2: About a dozen workers keep warm by hammering nails and sawing wood on a cold fall morning in Basalt, Colorado. At first glance, the site looks like an average construction site, but it's far from typical. It's Colorado's first rural net zero affordable housing project.
4: We can have affordable housing, but it's truly affordable if you can manage the utility costs.
2: Gail Schwartz is the president of Habitat for Humanity Roaring Fork Valley. She started working in affordable housing in Aspen over 40 years ago. Her most recent project, Basalt Vista, is located behind the high school near the center of town. Net zero homes produce on average the amount of energy they consume.
4: Our homeowners are basically paying the connection charge to the utility and otherwise providing their own energy and all electric, all in. Heating, cooling, washing. It's a pretty remarkable concept that you can control utility costs through this on-site generation.
2: Dodson Harper is a principal engineer with Resource Engineering Group in Crested Butte, Colorado. His team designed the systems that offset energy for the Basalt Vista project. He says historically, affordable housing projects prioritize keeping building costs as cheap as possible. But that's starting to change. His company is currently advising a handful of other net zero projects across the state.
1: If you're trying to build housing for people who can barely afford to live in a place, having them have zero or extremely low utility bills is a win-win. It's good for the environment and it's easier for the people to live there.
2: Harper says net zero homes cost more to build, so it's hard to make them affordable. But it's hard to put an exact price on how much more expensive net zero homes cost to build. Jake Israti, Basalt Vista's program manager, estimates the project will cost 15 to 20 percent more than a traditional build, even though going all-electric saved his project money in many places.
1: I think it's really important to find the rebates that are offered to everyone, not just Habitat. You got to check with your utility and see uh, what kind of rebates you can actually get in in order to make it affordable. This is my daughter's room, and then we have the downstairs
2: bathroom. Jeremy Duncan moved into his family's four bedroom townhouse in Basalt Vista just over a year ago. Duncan works in the IT department for Pitkin County, and his wife is a history teacher at Aspen Middle School. They've lived in the Roaring Fork Valley for 13 years, and housing has always been a challenge.
0: The housing market, it's it's tricky when you, you
1: know, there's the haves and the have-nots. You know, we just weren't quite at the point where we could
0: compete in the normal market, you know.
2: Prior to purchasing their home, the couple, along with their two kids, lived in a 600-square-foot apartment owned by the school district. With two kids in a cramped apartment, the couple asked themselves, should we stay or should we go? but they wanted to remain in the community they have been contributing to for over a decade. Now, Duncan is thankful for the space, and he enjoys seeing the energy his family produces and saves.
1: Here's the water tank. Everything's fully electric, right? Mm -hmm. So everything's running on electric, no gas. And the thing is, is we were able to see what a house that's run on full
0: electric, what that bill looks like without credits. It's what you would expect, right? And
1: then we started generating credits
0: pretty quickly, the the minute the the sun came out, that started balancing against our output or what's your
1: banking versus what you're using.
2: Basalt Vista is unique. It's a partnership between Roaring Fork Valley School District, Pitkin County and Habitat for Humanity. The collaboration pooled resources to subsidize each house.
4: That is how this has been made possible is through the partnerships and I would encourage anyone looking at project like this because there's a vested interest in these groups in wanting to uh, house their workforce and, and house people in their community and stabilize families.
2: Schwartz and her team are proud to be the first rural net zero affordable housing project in Colorado. Other communities aren't far behind though. Breckenridge, Telluride, Carbondale, and Summit County are working on their own net zero affordable housing projects made possible by a similar process. Various entities working together to create housing that is both affordable and a win for the environment. Reporting for KVNF and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Stephanie Maltrich.
0: The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for clear skies tonight with a low around 30 degrees. Friday expects sunny skies with a high near 50 degrees. Friday night should be clear with a low around freezing. Saturday calls for sunny skies with a high around 50 degrees. Saturday night should be partly cloudy, with a low around freezing. This has been the news for Thursday, October 28th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hey KOTA listeners, winter is coming and the sidewalks and roads are already covered in ice. You should have the peace of mind to know that if you slip and fall, you'll be covered. The health insurance open enrollment period begins on November 1st and lasts through December 15th. Tri-County Health Network's health coverage guides can help find the plan that's right for you. Call 970-708-7096 or go to tchnetwork.org to make an appointment. Don't get caught in the cold. Enroll in health insurance today. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.